Production funding for Ruckus has been provided by gifts from Dave and Jamie Cummings, the Fred and Lou Hartwig family, Peter and Barbara Gattermeyer, the Courtney S. Turner Charitable Trust, John H. Mize, and Bank of America N.A. co-trustees. And by viewers like you. Thank you. Welcome to Ruckus, our weekly food for thought fight over the news of the day and the trends of the times. I'm Mike Shannon. The Ruckus join me shortly in our topics this week. Jackson County taxes and tax breaks in Kansas City. A high stakes game for the T-Bones. And the gun buyback may be making a comeback. Plus roast and toast. But we start with our newsmaker segment and talk with someone whose introduction could take all the time for the interview and much more. So, if you will, a quick overview. He's a former Missouri state rep and secretary of state. He came close to winning a U.S. Senate seat, announced plans to run for Kansas City mayor, acknowledged issues with PTSD, the result of military service in Afghanistan, pulled out of the campaign, got treatment, got better, and is now working to promote the welfare of military veterans with the Veterans Community Project. Jason Kander, welcome to Ruckus. Mr. Secretary, it's a pleasure to meet you and appreciate you coming in. Good to be with you. Well, since you announced you were dealing with PTSD issues, there has been immense news coverage of your statements, what you've done, how you're doing, and uh, it's been on newspaper front pages, on television, radio throughout mm -hmm. the country, and it seems like all of it has been positive and supportive. Have you had any negative reaction from anyone, any organization? No, which is honestly um, really uh, reassuring. I mean, when I made that announcement, I had no idea what the reaction was going to be. I just sort of gotten to a point in my life where I stopped caring what the reaction was going to be and put my own health first. Um, but yeah, it's it's obviously gratifying. Um, I think what's the reaction to me and the way people have treated me is is one thing. Um, everybody likes it when folks are nice to them, but. For me, really, the, the gratifying part is just how many people have reached out to me personally or how many you know, thousands of emails I've gotten that just to, where people thank me for being public about it. And conversely, how many people you have probably helped be aware of the problem and perhaps seek attention. It's easily the most important thing I've ever done. It seems not that long ago that you made the announcement that you were dealing with PTSD issues and mm -hmm. were pulling out of the race for mayor in mm -hmm. Kansas City. You obviously now seem to be in pretty good shape. Thanks. Uh, are most people able to recover that quickly? You know, I can't speak for, for everybody. Um, everybody is different. One thing I'm really careful to do is, because look, I spent, you know, over a decade ranking my own experience and, you know, telling myself a story that it couldn't possibly be post-traumatic stress because I felt like I hadn't earned it. And a lot of people do that. And so one thing I'm really careful to do is, look, it was eight months of therapy for me. And, you know, I'm not cured. Uh, you don't get cured from post-traumatic stress, but uh, I feel very much like I've entered post-traumatic growth and I'm going to work on it for the rest of my life. But I'm really careful not to talk about how long it's supposed to take. I can only talk about my experience. I don't you're, want anybody to get discouraged right. if they're trying. You're now involved with the Veterans Community Project. Yeah. Talk about that. What is sure. it? What does it do? Well, let me first tell you how I got involved with it. Um, I actually, you know, I made this announcement and then I realized, there's a bunch of uh, you know, hurdles at the, at the VA that I was not exactly sure how to get over. And, and so even somebody in my position, I 
knew the Veterans Community Project folks. I had toured the place six weeks earlier as a candidate for mayor. I called them up. I went in. I ended up being one of over 4,000 veterans in the Kansas City area who have gotten their help. In my case, they helped me with paperwork and made sure I got into mental health services at the VA. Um, but they've done that for, as I said, thousands of veterans in Kansas City. And what they do is they fill in the gaps in veteran services. They don't advocate for the gaps to be closed. They don't complain about what the VA is doing. What they do is they come in and they say, here's a gap in service. Sometimes it's, it, it could be anything applying to all veterans. Oftentimes it's the other half of what we do, which is housing. We provide transitional housing through our veterans village of, of tiny houses at 89th and Troost. And we just rescue people from those gaps. My job is to expand it nationally uh, and make sure that we have this everywhere in the country. And you're getting presidential candidates on the mm -hmm. Democratic side, at least, to drop yeah. in and take a look at uh, these houses while they're campaigning. Sure. And we would welcome folks from either side. In fact, uh, you know, Senator Roy Blunt, who he and I have, I think <laughs> it's well <laughs> known. That's who you ran against. We yeah. had disagreements in the past. Yeah. Um, I was really happy to be able to host him a few weeks ago. We had lunch. I showed him the place. Um, so, you know, there's no political affiliation on dog tags. I hope he bought but, lunch. Lunch. Uh, I think I bought lunch, I'm pretty sure. I'm not, I don't remember. Very quickly about politics. Uh, you announced you were going to run for mayor. Julie Justice had announced she was in the race. She dropped out when you dropped in. She said that you had the same constituency. You decided not to run. She got back in and she lost in a big way. What's your assessment of that? How did that happen? Oh, you know, I, I don't know what my assessment is of it. I would just say um, that, you know, Municipal politics is not like a lot of the other politics I've engaged in. I mean, everybody who was running in that race were people that I've known for 10, 15 years. I mean, it's not this zero-sum game where you're like, well, if this person wins, it's the end of the world. I mean, I never really felt that way about it. I never felt like I was running against anybody when I was in the race. Um, and look, you know, uh, Mayor Lucas, well, we've been friends for 15 years. Um, he and I have seen each other and talked several times in the last few weeks. Um, I'm genuinely happy and excited for him. Thinking about running for office again at some undetermined point? I'm really not. Um, you know, it doesn't mean I never will. Doesn't I mean, mean people I, were talking about you running for president a year yeah. ago. Yeah, that was nice of them. Um, <laughs> and look, I'll be honest, I was thinking about it uh, a little over a year ago. But um, one of the things that's changed in my life is that um, when you're going through internal turmoil, the way I was for over a decade, there's a natural tendency, I think, to think about the future because it, it's just more pleasant than thinking about what's going on now. I really am grateful for the opportunity to do what I'm doing, um, and I'm enjoying my life right now. So there's no part of me that's thinking about running for office. That could change one day, but I really care about Veterans Community Project. Unfortunately, we're out of time. I wish we could talk longer. Okay. Thanks very much for coming in. Pleasure Thanks to meet you. Me. Come back and see us again. Okay. That is former Missouri Secretary of State Jason Cantor. Now let's meet the panel and start a ruckus. Attorney Laura McConwell is a former mayor of Mission, Kansas, who likes fixing her hair. Uh, Sean Saving is a labor activist, part of the Heartland Labor Forum at KKFI Radio. Mary O'Halloran is a media and communications consultant, and Annie Presley is an author, publisher, and GOP fundraiser. Thanks to all of you for coming in. It's nice to see you again. Many Jackson County taxpayers are still reeling from their property tax assessments that have led to thousands of appeals. We will talk with a member of the Board of Equalization that hears the appeals in our interview segment next week. Deadline for filing appeals is September the 3rd. Up the street at City Hall, tax breaks and other incentives for economic development are getting the attention of recently elected Mayor Quentin Lucas. 
Lucas has defined how we should measure the impact of these breaks for business. Is the quality of life for the average kid in the Kansas City, Missouri school district on the east side of Kansas City better today than it was in 1990? Lucas says his answer is no. Studies suggest the economic development costs the various Kansas City governments, city, county, school district, library, about $175 million last year. The mayor says the average kid has not benefited, but what about the average taxpayers? Have they benefited, Annie? This is a sticky wicket, Mike. What we know is that taxpayers love to see shiny new objects that indicate that the city is growing and there's new action. But on the other hand, the money that is used to help those developers build the shiny new objects are, are kept from the classic city um, needs in education primarily in libraries. So the question is, since we've overbuilt on hotels downtown and we've overbuilt on Class A space, office space downtown, now it's time to shift the focus so the developers perhaps will look at some of those other projects that are needed, maybe affordable housing, which would help lift kids as well. So there are options. So have taxpayers benefited? If you like shiny new objects, you're good to go. <laughs> okay, same question to Sean. Has the average taxpayer benefited from these tax breaks in Kansas City? The average taxpayer? Well, if we really look at the average, I'd say no. I mean, the average, half this city lives east of Troost, and I don't see much going on over there. I mean, for years we've been, we've been dumping money and in investment into the plaza and downtown, giving massive tax breaks to corporations that don't need them, and a spigot needs to be cut off. Uh, Laura, you've served as the mayor of Mission, Kansas, served three different terms. Is it hard for local governments to avoid tax breaks to businesses that offer employment for people who live in that uh, community and tax dollars perhaps in the future? Well, Mission's obviously a lot smaller than Kansas City, Missouri, and it's always a balancing but, act. But there have been projects that there have been, been financed some, by government, like there, Gateway. Well, well not partially, yet. You know, partially. Because, I mean, nothing, nothing's, nothing's been built, and, and the city did do some stormwater improvement work on that, but that's going to get reimbursed by whoever, whoever develops on that property. And when, you're, when you have to do redevelopment and you're already built out, then there's a balancing act that you have to discuss because you want people to be, come and be successful on the projects that they build, but not at the expense or on the back of your taxpayer. I mean, it, it, it's a balancing, and, and I understand why Kansas City, Missouri folks are unhappy. I also, you know, there was a lot of money that was put in and a lot of effort along um, 71 Highway, whatever all that's called now, was at the Green Enterprise Center. And so there's a lot of, of improvement when you talk about things east of Troost. But, I, you know, I think the other thing that has to do with... That was federal is, money, though. Well, I understand it was federal mm -hmm. money, but a lot of it has to do with safety because that federal money was supposed to spur private investment and a lot of additional things, which haven't happened. And I think, I mean, so it all kind of goes hand in glove. I don't think you can throw it all out, but I think you can't just say, open up the city check. Mary, a former mayor that you and I both admire, Charlie Wheeler, once told people at a news conference... <laughs> people complaining about tax breaks for businesses. He said, look, tax breaks are the price you have to pay if you want to play in the big leagues. Was he right? Typical of Charlie, isn't it? <laughs> the quote makes so much sense, and it, it's partially true. I think what's going now on now, and I don't, I've not talked with Charlie lately about this matter, 
is that there is a legitimate grassroots tax revolt beginning to take place. It is not the responsibility of the city that necessarily that this is happening. The county is, uh, I'm not sure what kind of madness is going, who's in charge over there? But, but that's a whole different question that isn't our topic today. But I, it's, a, it's a sense people have that they're not included in the decision making about this stuff. For example, apparently there's some effort, you know, I keep track of these kind of pseudo-public institutions like the Port Authority, the economic development groups around, who have some independent ability to offer tax breaks to developers that ordinary people have actually nothing to say about. Okay, I'm going to have to stop you there because we're out <laughs> of time, but I, I guess we're saying that uh, as far as you all are concerned, taxpayers are not benefiting from the tax breaks that businesses have received in Well, should in Whitney Kerr have tax breaks for an ultra-luxury hotel? No. Well, Downtown. Construction he would, jobs he are would, pretty big. He would certainly think so. He does think so. <laughs> All right. There have been numerous successes in the Legends Village West area of Kansas City, Kansas. The massive area includes the NASCAR track, major shopping facilities, restaurants, and other amenities, not to mention a highly successful soccer team. One not too successful enterprise is the attempt at professional baseball. The T-Bones came to town in 2003. They've won two league championships and built an impressive fan base. But financial problems emerged. The unified government of KCK and Wyandotte County stepped in, bought the stadium from the team's owner, and later stepped in again, creating a management agreement. Nothing seemed to work. The government has sent the team an eviction notice effective September the 13th. The result of the T-Bone's failure to pay tax and utility bills now amounting to about $700,000. The government's dealing with the T-Bone's has been a high-stakes game, pun intended. No doubt the unified government has learned a few lessons from this. So what can other local governments learn, if anything? Laura. Well, it gets back to the whole... Um, balancing act and public-private partnerships and not letting if they've been there 16 years and from what I understand this has been a problem all the way and that they've just continued to bend over the government's continued to bend over backwards and and I, I, I'm assuming because I, I assume most people that are in elected office aren't crazy that there is some benefit <laughs> to the unified government which is why they purchased the stadium I've been to T-Bone's games, they're a lot of fun, and, you know, I don't know what the other economic impact is around it, and if that's part of why they went ahead and said, okay, we're going to take this loss actually within the stadium because of all the benefit that it brings to everything around it, which is part of the balancing act. I, I find it interesting that they their season's not over. It's my understanding the team's up for sale, that they chose, the timing of this whole thing was just a little kind of odd to me. So I don't well, know. Annie, let me ask you this. Did it seem to make sense to have a semi-professional, I guess, uh, association baseball team in Kansas City, Kansas, when there's a major league team not far away in Kansas City, Missouri? I guess it's not uncommon in other markets, but the research has consistently shown that Kansas City is really at its capacity to support sports teams. We have a lot going on here, and when there's talk of bringing hockey or ma major league basketball or national basketball it it's clear that we can't support it all so the the likelihood that we could have ever supported there, there may have another been a, baseball team is not there may high. have been a price point difference because because those games are cheaper and it, it appeals to a different demographic but the location of that stadium 
didn't make any, never made any sense to me. I mean, if you really wanted to do that, you could have put that in downtown Kansas City, Kansas, yeah. sparked some some actual development around the area, and actually, you know, had a, had a fan base that was close to you that could that would would take advantage. That can't afford to go to a Royals game, but maybe could go to the T Bones. Maybe that would have worked. Uh, but I just don't see that. Where, where was the analysis of any of this? It didn't as part as the whole uh, the, the team. Oh yeah. You know, sports has to be about something ultimately. It's fun, that's true, but it's not a carnival. I mean, it's never clear to me exactly with the T-Bones playing in a league. I mean, was there some reason to go and cheer them on? Other than yeah, having yes, there fun. is a league. It's, I think it's called the Association Something right. League. Right. It, and an, they have won. They, they have, Fargo. They, the they have won the pennant yeah. in, in a couple yeah. of seasons. Oh, really? Well, yeah. that's good. Well, I mean, you know, the question is, should investments, how risky should they be? And apparently, everybody thought, well, we are a great baseball metro. We love our baseball team. Not right now so much, but <laughs> we still love them. We do. But and by I, the way, you know. speaking of, of that other baseball team, the Royals, it's very much in the news. It John is. Sherman. Scary. Apparently, why is it scary? He's a local well, guy. With I, lots I think any time you go through the big change, where the big <laughs> the man at the top has control of the situation. Um, if the price is right, and, and Mr. Glass really wants this to happen, he could take the team anywhere. Last night I had a serious conversation with a city leader of sorts who said he could take this team to Phoenix. They want Mr. One. Sherman? <laughs> well, uh, he could. He's a great and, guy. He was he, he's, he's, he's I'm not a, saying he's not a good guy. Annie, I'm do, you, do you, take is, it he, is he an acquaintance of yours? He's or? a great guy, yes. I have worked on projects with him over the course of many years, and his wife as well. They are committed to Kansas City. They are baseball people. And uh, I don't think that's an he, issue. He owns a part of the Cleveland Indians now. Already. And, and the, there's no indication he would leave Kansas City or take He's, the team elsewhere. No, he made his money here. Oh, they are oh, committed okay. to Kansas and, City. And one more thing over here. Mm -hmm. uh, there is renewed talk because of this possible change in ownership of a downtown stadium. Do you like mm -hmm. that idea? Well, downtown Kansas City, Missouri? <laughs> I do, but I, but it's just too expensive. I'm not sure, but particularly since everything's overbuilt downtown, I think it should have happened 15 years ago. And, so. Annie, you're a big fan of the Negro League Baseball, baseball Museum. Museum, and I interviewed Mr. Kendrick from there a few weeks ago, I asked him about a downtown stadium, and he said it would be great for 18th and Vine. It would be great. Be. It, it's a shiny new object. Yep. It would take a lot of money from the taxpayers and divert money from other public mm -hmm. needs. So... But it would be fun. It would be really fun. for the Royals is some new pitching. Yeah, that's all we need. <laughs> all right, got to go. Uh, finding a way to keep guns out of the hands of criminals and still uphold the Constitution's Second Amendment is not easy, maybe impossible. Following the mass shootings in El Paso and Dayton, there was a renewed call for more detailed background checks and taking assault weapons off the market. One plan that has garnered attention in the metro area and nationwide is the gun buyback program. Governments paying gun owners, legal and illegal, with no questions asked if they turn in their weapons. Congressman Emanuel Cleaver likes the idea. Mayor Quentin Lucas has also shown interest. But how about you? Do you think the buyback approach is a good one, Mary? Well, yes. I mean, we all want things to work in this area. I mean, if we get anything done that's positive, that's in itself. It's a step forward. But I, I, I think it's about one step up from thoughts and prayers, to be honest with you. I mean, what's available to us is very limited in the Kansas City 
a city area because of the, the legislature. The Missouri legislature, out, in outrageous fashion, strictly limited what mayors and city councils and county governments can do. However, Mayor Lucas and others got together and they have proposed a uh, two proposals being voted on, as I understand, today. Later today. This is uh, Thursday morning as we're taping this program. And, and they deal with teenagers and guns, making it illegal locally. It's already illegal federally. Good for it's, Mayor Luke, Lucas. They, they, they could be fined several hundred dollars if they they're could. caught with a gun, and there's also a diversion program being There created. is, and the neat thing about it is that it really could have an effect on the ability of police officers to go up to a teenager, a group of teenagers, and take their guns away from them if, it, of course, it meets all of the requirements of the state, which is, gets all fairly complicated. But that's a step forward, as any kind of background check thing would be. But that would have to be federal, well, I think. Sean, there's a lot of talk about studying people's mental health before giving them a permit to buy a gun or before a gun is legally sold. Does that make any sense? Can that be done? Uh, well, it's a good question. It's being done in, what, 17 states, I think. Uh, I think there's some evidence that it works. I think you have to be very, very careful about it. I mean, I think there's, there's civil liberties protections uh, issues involved. I think we also have to look, be very careful about stigmatizing anybody with what's going to be defined as a mental disorder. You know, I mean, probably everybody has some sort of issue anymore uh, based on the current... I don't think that's true. <laughs> so, so I think, but I do think that it's, it's something that is definitely worth... Investigating, I think, is I think it, if it stops even a few people from shooting people they shouldn't, it's probably you know these are temporary measures always. You Laura, know. from a legal standpoint, and you're an attorney, as right. you probably know, without me telling you that. Uh, what about the so-called red flag laws? Um, what are you they? You know, well, the the red flags if it is to pay attention and if somebody comes up or is a red flag to go in and take their you, guns. You can and, call and, the authorities and, and say, and I think so-and-so has a yes. gun and is yes. about to use yes. it on somebody, right? And, and, and I think the solution is really a lot bigger than passing a whole bunch of laws simply because we've all, we're not um, communicating as well as we used to. We're not having face-to-face -face things. We're not, um, you know, a lot of these people are, are telling others, but they're doing it on social media. And so I think we need to continue to move forward relationally to, I, I think, help identify and reduce it. Because I don't think just taking the guns, having more background checks, but I do like the alerting people when you see somebody saying... But, but I think some out. attorneys say there would be a due process issue. Well, involved. you've got due process. The other, the other pro big problem is, is there are big differences to what happened in urban areas versus what happens in rural areas. And unfortunately, you can't, like at the state or the national level, pass a law that says, okay, well, in the cities we're going to do this, but in the country we're going to do that. And I think yeah. that's a big problem because we have, there's just a big divide in our country. Do you think it's inevitable, Annie, that the background system is going to be enhanced somehow? I don't know how, but they keep talking about enhancing background checks for gun owners. Probably likely, and because it's not always working particularly well mm -hmm. now, but the, the apparatus is already in place, I think an enhancement mm -hmm. to it would be very, very helpful. Well, I wonder what it would be. I mean, I've thought about it. What can you do on these background checks to make them 
more detailed? Well, the biggest concern is people just lie on the applications, and there's absolutely right. no way a legitimate gun seller can figure out whether or not there's it's, a there's, lie. There's errors so, in the database. There's there, there, there are problems. Uh, no, no, you can't. I'm sorry. Well, I've got to move on. Right. Sorry, it's time for Roast and Toast, where the Ruckettes have 30 seconds each to analyze, jeopardize, or compromise. But, Mary, we'll start with you to make up for keeping you from answering no, that last question. No, that's quite all right, Mike. Okay, this is Women's Equality Week, and we're sad to have been told that Sister Pat Canoyer, one of our great, most wonderful citizens, uh, died this week on S Women's Equality Day. She was a peace activist, a campaigner, an energetic supporter of racial harmony, of women's equality in particular, and was an advocate for poor people as well as all people left out or left behind. Everyone who knew her understood her priority was human rights and who worked with her, the people who worked with her were also the most powerful and sometimes the most poor. She was at any rally, meeting, or march where human rights was the issue. Sister Pat's spirit will be with us always. All right, Laura. I'm going to toast uh, Kansas Secretary of State Scott Schwab. Since he's been in office, he has been returning the Secretary of State's office to what it's about and what its appropriate functions are. And as a practicing attorney and a resident of the state of Kansas, I appreciate that. Annie? I am toasting Christine Kemper and her team of professionals and volunteers she assembled to put together in record time a new school for girls in urban Kansas City. This is a charter school. They're starting with fifth grade. It's underway, and I am confident that it will make a big difference in that area. Sure. As fires rage across the Brazilian Amazon, providing a tangible focus to concerns about climate change, the country's president, Jair Bolsonaro, is demonstrating that the U.S. is not the only country in the world being run by a petulant child. Rather than accepting the G7 nation's offer of $20 million in aid to fight the fires, Bolsonaro is refusing even that paltry sum until he gets an apology from French President Emmanuel Macron for saying bad things about him. Yes, that sound you hear in the distance is a fiddle playing. And finally, here is a rose to the Yang gang, Andrew Yang's young supporters who back his unlikely bid for the White House. They love his plan to give everyone $1,000 a month, cheer when he promises to do the State of the Union with PowerPoint, and say the M-A-T-H on their caps means make Americans think harder. If they do think harder, they will soon realize there will be no guaranteed income, no PowerPoint speech, no Yang Gang, and no Andrew Yang presidency. And knowing that wasn't hard at all. And that is Ruckus for this week. We are back next Thursday at 7. Now for the Ruckus and the crew, I'm Mike Shannon saying thanks very much for watching and good night.